0: not
1: live, right. right, Brenda. We're okay. Actually, Steve, it is live now, so... <laughs> hey, we're, we're, we're live streaming now, um, but you're right. I guess it isn't streaming out to people right now. Um, hey, guys. Alex Shaw, Jimbo Redman with your Scott Risk Matters podcast. We're, uh, we're, we're just talking about surfing, so maybe it's appropriate for me to say the stoke is high right now. Is that okay if I say that? If it's not, then that's too bad because I think this is what's going on the record. We are in sunshiny Greenbelt, Maryland with Chesapeake Hospitality, and Steve Smith and Brendan McGregor have been kind enough to sit down with us and kind of shoot the breeze a little bit today. How are you? Awesome. How are you guys? Doing wonderful. Great. Thanks. And Jimbo and I are sharing one mic, so this is going to get interesting. Um, Well, we've been working with you guys for maybe around two years now. Almost two years. Yeah, almost two years. And so it's been kind of a fun journey of getting to know you. Um, for the folks who are going to be listening in, maybe if you wouldn't mind, uh, Steve, let's start with you telling us a little bit about your trajectory, where you came from, and, okay. and your Chesapeake story, if you will.
0: All right. Well, Chesapeake actually started out as Maryland hospitality. We were, the Sims family started this business in 1957. A um, little 14 unit hotel on Route 1 right around the corner here. You can almost see it out this window. We're on the eighth floor, for those that can't see out this window. Um, is that
1: 495 right there in the beltway? That is the beltway, That's so the you belt can see way. when
0: the, what the traffic is like. Yeah, looks good right now. Anyway, so I, I went to college with two of the Sims brothers, um, and they grew up in the family hotel business. They're third-generation hospitality uh, people. Their parents and their grandparents actually were involved to some degree um, in the hotel business. Um, And I like to say that the two sons, there's a third son. He went to Hampton, Sydney. I don't think he could get into W now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So I went to college with two of the sons, and and they were both smarter than me because they knew they didn't want to be, or all three sons knew they didn't want to be in the food and beverage business. And when they bought their first hotel with a restaurant, They called me, and I'd been running uh, restaurants in Ocean City, Maryland, uh, to pay my way through college, and then when I got out of college, um, I went stayed in the business, because it was 1980. We were deep in a recession. So my career in hospitality was in restaurants originally, but uh, the agreement was, I'll do this food and beverage gig as long as I'm not the food and beverage guy forever, because I saw the vertical integration towards hotels as a way out of restaurants because the hours are very long and difficult so um actually next month will be my 35 years of working with the sims brothers and and working to what is now called chesapeake hospitality we changed the name to chesapeake it's been uh 10 years now um We were originally owner-operators. We owned our own hotels. Um, We did deep turnarounds on assets. We would reflag and renovate. Um, We took the company public in 2004, in December. Um, And then in 2008, um, we decided to grow the third party. Half Half my partners stayed on the public side. And half stayed on the private side. <clears throat> so two Sims brothers are still with me. Drew Sims is on the with uh, Southerly, what's now called Southerly Hotels. They trade on NASDAQ. They were originally MHI Hospitality, um, and we grew the third. Decided to grow the third party, um, just so that they weren't our only client. Um, it made life a little bit better for us to have more clients. Um, and really to take the business acumen that we had developed in all those years and uh, help help other hotel owners. So we are strictly um, third-party managers. We do not own any of the hotels or own any of the interest in the hotels. So it's very interesting. We were talking earlier about trust, and we can get into that later. But it's very uh, – there's a lot of trust involved in third-party hotel management.
2: Well, that's quite a quite a journey in uh a- and just a great history, none of which I knew, so um, it's worth my time being here just just to hear that and w- one of the things we recognize as we as we do these podcasts is is that um, it does memorialize things that a lot of people and organizations don't realize and and we hear it all the time from our own employees after they've listened to a podcast to be able to say, "You know I've worked here for twenty five years, I never knew." that, or I didn't know all the details to that, and so um, we're, we're big, you know, history matters, and understanding the past is is important, and, and I think, you know, as you, you know, if, if I said how many, how many of the, y'all have 2,000 employees, roughly, is that right? 3,000. 3, See, I don't, I need to have my numbers better. 3,000, how many of the 3,000 employees would know that?
0: 10 so uh, I don't know maybe maybe more maybe, maybe more. more we actually have and Brenda n- would know the statistics but uh, I mean Brenda's work for us she was I actually hired Brenda 33 years 33 years ago it actually was Chris Sims wife who was my food and beverage controller and she got pregnant with uh, their first child and so I met Brenda who had a background in food uh, food service accounting and she's Evolved to be our vice president of human resources but i think we have probably at least 50 employees that have been with us for 20 years or more
3: yes we do and okay. i didn't bring those numbers in it's all right yep
2: N- no prep required
3: thank you
1: i, I-, I sort of hijacked the
2: uh, podcast here alex
1: well cuz we're sharing a mic it's a little clunky it's kind of like when we present to groups who have a spanish speaking population and then the english speaking and so when you've got the interpreter you've got to give your presentation yes. and then the interpreter that uh, one of the ladies she's incredible she'll like she's got a ton of attitude so she'll kind of slap you and you're like oh sorry go ahead <laughs> <laughs> so you, you wait till she translates and then and then move forward um you know, one of the things we talked about before we press play, and, and thank you for some of the the backdrop, um, you know, Brenda, I, I can't recall, how how long did you say that, that you'd been on the team at this point? 33 years. 33 years. Mm-hmm. So, man, that's incredibly powerful, and that's one of kind of, I don't want to call it a marker or a metric that we look for in organizations, is how long have people been around? Because there's an element of institutional knowledge that allows you when any scenario pops up to kind of skip through a lot of the mud that otherwise, without that knowledge, you, you wouldn't have the context to, to respond in as accurate or precise or meaningful way. And so that's a powerful thing to have on a team. I, I guess off the cuff, how, how many of your team through the ranks have tenure that is along those lines? I mean, that's pretty pretty extended. So we tend to see if it's – got employees who have been around for five years or longer – you know, on the whole, it's it's a pretty powerful, powerful thing. I mean, some some industries have turnover that you know, means you end up with new faces every day, essentially.
3: Sure. Well, there's a lot, as Steve was referencing, there are a, a huge number of employees that have, the majority of our employees have been with us on average 5.5 years or more. Wow. And... But to Steve's point, I mean, some of our GMs, which is very telling, Bill Wynn, who works out of our property, Doubletree in Raleigh, he's been with us, he came right after me, he's been with us for 32 years. Or Sean Frisbee, who's our GM down at the Doubletree in Jacksonville, he's been with us for over 20 years. And you can see that not only in our management, but in our hourly associates. I mean, I think our longest tenure, if you look at the, the company wide, is in our room attendance who've been with us 30, 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. We just had Helen Warren out of our Savannah property, the DeSoto, that celebrated her 50th year at that property. Wow. So <laughs> it's those kinds of stories that I think are pretty, uh, they are uh, something that happens more frequently than not in our industry and in our company.
1: Yeah. So one, one of the things that, well, a few things popped into mind as you were speaking is there's always a problem, even when you've got a, a good performance like you guys do. Or you, you go, well, this is great. We've got all these people who've been here thirty years. Oh no, when is the next generation coming yeah. on board? And so that presents a whole another challenge that maybe we can we can get into uh, potentially. So
3: Absolutely. how are you guys
1: preparing for for that inevitability? Where all of a sudden, one of my clients did a study recently. It showed that. I think uh, it was somewhere around fifty or sixty percent of their employees were between forty and fifty-five, somewhere around there, with a the window of retirement in the next five, eight years. And they did the math and said, "Holy cow, we're about to lose an in, an enormous segment of our workforce," um, and that's caused them to press pause and and reinvent in a large way how they onboard people, um, how they incentivize people to stay, and how they train people, and so maybe if you guys could share a little bit about what that looks like from your perspective.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it really ties back to the growth with the third party over the past 10 years because of our, we bring on like three to four hotels per year. We're very selective on who, what hotels, not so much. We we, we want full service hotels. We prefer 200 to 400 room. That's kind of our niche, our playing field. Um, But what's most important is really the ownership group um, and who we're dealing with, and that they mesh with our culture. Um, so because we're growing, we attract some of the best people in the industry. Um, Brenda mentioned some of the GMs that have been with us for 20 to 30-plus years. They're all the legacy hotels. Where that's the Real Estate Investment Trust. They've grown from the eight hotels that we took public to the 13 that they own right now. Um and a lot of the, those what I call legacy employees have been at those hotels a really long time. And that does ties into the culture of our company and how we, are, um, how we take care of them, really. Um, how we touch them and, and are caring and know what's going on in their lives. And Brenda's best to uh, elaborate more on that. But I think as far as dealing in, in the future looking forward, we've really added some of the strongest leaders in this industry because they've recognized our culture and they recognize that we're growing. Um, And one thing that kind of differentiates us with regards to growth is three to four, maybe five even properties per year that we'll add to our portfolio. And I think we've kind of targeted it at 50. We're at 38 right now. We'll be at 42 by the second quarter of next year where we're going to stop um, and slow down. Because there's kind of a size. When you hit a certain level, we fear tending to mediocrity. And you, we do not want, if we can't do it well, we're not going to do it at all. So we're very. You don't want to be a mediocre hotel? No, exactly.
2: <laughs> well, that, that is definitely different.
0: Well, mm-hmm. we've got we've to be great. Um, like I mentioned, I mean, we're in third party. Third party management is about satisfying our clients. And if we don't ha- have, have, if they don't have our attention, it's it doesn't go well. Talk about the <laughs> diversity
2: of your clients and so, sort of what what are the metrics that they're using to evaluate you guys and how that relates to sort of the criteria that you're using to select your four or five for
0: growth every year. Right, right. Well, I, I mean, I would say mostly in the early stages with a new client, it is about location and size of the property. And what's interesting, I handle the development side now. I used to, I was in operation for twenty five years, so that background helps me. Of course, food and beverage helps me too because. There's a lack of talent in food and beverage in hotels right now, which is a whole other story. Um, I have to take a deal. Every deal is is a lead. I mean, that's what you guys do, right? You're selling. You want to grow and get more clients. And well, you're, actually, you're we're
2: sell- at risk, guys. Uh, like, the schleps yeah, are the Will guys. and Ned, those <laughs> w guys. That's right. That's
0: right. That was a connection. Those young W L guys. Um, so I have to take it, you know, to use a football analogy, I, I always say I get it to like the uh, red zone and then I'm starting to vet the client. I mean, I, you can tell a little bit during the communication and the giving back to each other on information and exchange of information, what the client's like. Um, but it, it isn't until, what's interesting is I turned, not so much this year, but the first last four years, I would say I turned, each year I turned down more deals than I took. Because I'd get into the red zone, and then you get into the, on the goal line, and suddenly you're realizing this client's business principles, and the, is, if they're going to impact Chesapeake's culture, it's not going to work. Because in, in our business, in hospitality, and in the service industry, culture's everything. Because you're trying to service a guest, and the guest experience is what's most important, and the guest experience is controlled by the people who work for you and interact. I call them moments of truth. So, you know, I, I've turned down a few deals, um, and it's hard to do. My CFO gets, he, 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 <laughs> he thinks every deal is a good deal. I think and it's, I, it's
1: fascinating that you put a cap of 50, at least, to reassess and reboot. There's one other client we worked with that a few years ago shared, you know, they'd hit um, I think it was, it was close to, it was about $85 million in revenue. And they said, hey, look, culturally, that had a deeper impact on us negatively than anything else. And so their subsequent, their next year's revenue target was substantially lower, which is a, that's a big deal. That means you're turning down work for a company that's growing. And, but to them, they're so centric on their people. And and on how they're doing, on their quality of life, on the morale, and understanding that the consequences and the financial consequences, Mm -hmm. not to mention culturally, that come with impacts, negative morale, Mm -hmm. um, you know, on the team. And so, Brenda, I wonder, I think you guys have done relatively frequently things like surveys and um, activities along those lines that have helped you really understand, you know, perception and reality, which yep. is really critical. So maybe speak to that a little bit.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, in my 33 years here, I've seen Chesapeake and the leadership team and the company as a whole um, be very nimble in terms of the job market, learning to grow and develop who we are as a company and make sure that we are delivering on our culture and our principles as a company. And right now we're getting ready to shift again. I mean, we're dealing with an economy where the job market is so tight and we're desperate for good people. And so we have continued to grow and develop our reputation in terms of what we bring which is unique, which we stand on a platform of experience what's possible. And we, we make that promise to not only our guests and our owners, but to all of our employees, which means we wanna know what's important to them. It's personal. It's not just you're somebody that comes in and makes a bed for us every day. This is we want to know to the most recent employee, tell us what's important to you. Where do you want to be in five years professionally? Where do you want to be in five years personally? What are your goals and your dreams, and how can Chesapeake Hospitality help you get there? Mm -hmm. And we are delivering on that every single day. And to answer your question about – where are we planning for the future? It's some of the things that I think are very unique to our company, I'll talk about Mike Keeler, who was a GM for our company for many, many years. We didn't want to lose his institutional knowledge and what he had. So we c- reach out to him quite frequently to say, go you know, fill in for us for a couple of weeks. Um, millennials, we are creating a totally different benefit package starting in 2019 to address some of the needs that they have. Mm. So we're constantly looking at what is going to... Make us unique, that people will want to come work for us. What is it going to be in our, at every single hotel? What is it, what can we do so that people are saying, hey, I want to go work for them?
2: I just, I love the employee centric approach that you guys have. And it's, um, I know it seems like sort of second nature to you guys because that's what you do every day. But um, what we see is, if you go ask pretty much any employer out there, uh, tell us what your most valuable asset is. They'll say employees, and then you see, um, well, justify that in in sort of how you operate your business. And and there's really very little there other than they give them a paycheck. And so I'm interested to uh, what makes you that way, and uh, and and. Obviously, as you're adding properties, I, I don't know. Do most of those properties have existing employees that that you're going to yes, incorporate under mm-hmm. your sort of umbrella? I'm wondering. It, it it would seem that would be a big a big challenge. Um, so how how do you take how do you take those newest properties with new people who've been maybe under one regime and and, and bring them under yours and and sort of show them the chesapeake way and you know any any comments like
3: sure well we are actually just getting ready to at the beginning of november take on three new properties in west virginia and we are super excited about it but what i love about this transition the owner um, is still going to be in existence but she has been completely open to what it is Chesapeake brings to the table. And that's not always the case, as Steve was saying, sometimes the owners, they don't want to spend the money on some of the benefits or the health care. And so those are the people that we don't cross the finish line with. We have to find someone that's similar in their beliefs of how to take care of their employees. And then it's always, no matter where we go, it's always uh, reassuring the people, as we joke, that we're not going to pull up a bus and bring all new employees and that your sh- job is safe and we are here. You're, We're going to get you all set up and then we're going to go back to Greenbelt. So you're going to run this hotel when we're gone. But here's the new things we're going to bring to bear. And with this one, we're going to be able to provide better health insurance for them. We're going to be able to provide better paid time off benefits for them. Things that we already have in our stock um benefit package for our employees and then like i said we always are just looking what's unique to their locale that might be important to them that we can include in their benefit package
0: yeah brenda mentions health insurance we also have ours is a self-funded plan that we did it was 30 years ago we started uh with that plan and and it was never a profit center. Um, it was always something we did just for the employees and 30 years ago, frankly, it was a competitive edge. Nobody offered health insurance to their employees. So we got the best just because we had health insurance. Um, and there were a few years when we lost money on it and we just, you know, sucked it up and, 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 and managed to get through. Um, it's now to the point where it is, um, um, with the changes in the health regulations, that we have been, our enrollment is up dramatically. Um, and with that, with the n- growth in our company and our size, we've, we just improved it this year. Every, I think for the past three years, we've just constantly have improved the package. Um, backing up a little bit too. I mean, there was talking about the clients um, and Brenda mentioned it. Some of our clients did not originally, when we started with third party, they didn't want to um, have the employees be employees of Chesapeake Hospitality. Well, we did it like once or twice, and then we were like, this isn't going to work. Right, right. This, is, this is really not, yeah. you know, you forget who you are. And we just couldn't get the service levels. We couldn't recruit the best people. Um, but right now, I think our, our reputation is everything to us and the reputation starts with the staff and I think now I'm, uh, what do you call it glass door?
3: Oh right glass door we have a great rating almost five out of five. I think it's a 4.6. We have a glassdoor <coughs> employee rating for employees that have worked for us or continue to work for us.
0: So you know and it pays off not only through you know you look at the health insurance and we look at the uh, you know healthy people, I think a lot of it ties to stress and, and, and their lives, and work can certainly be stress. Um, but Amen. then, you know, and, <laughs> and how, and on workers' comp, what we're seeing our workers' comp is through Scott. And, you know, I see our rela- business relationship two years ago. Um, I told your guys when we got into it, I said, you know what, this is a payoff, I think, for us for years of developing this culture within our company. Where our workers' claims are less than you know, we you guys have been very helpful with it, certainly on the property side and and protecting us there and on the audits. But I think it's if you have happy employees, not only have happy guests, but you have less workers' comp and and healthier people. It's just yeah, it, it's all positive. Well, we
2: we love it because you know it's it's a message that we try to push out to our clients all the time, which is you know if you show deep care, concern, and compassion. For your employees, that that's going to create a culture in and of itself, and, and it's going to propel the organization because people are going to like coming to work there every day, yeah. and people are going to feel a part of it and that that you care for them. That said, um, it's it's not every day that that people really embrace that message or embrace it to the point of allowing relatively newcomers to to be invited in to get a seat at the table to to engage with your people and so you know from our perspective that's you know we talked about this before that's that's a level of trust that you guys have that's that's just really awesome
0: yeah so our how it relates to our clients is really lower mod ratings so lower workers comp costs and uh Lower health insurance costs. We've dri- we've driven our premiums down on both ends, so um, and we're the type of company that passes that on to our clients. So it's a competitive edge when we're bidding and doing pro formas on potential new uh, hotel uh, on a hotel takeover. We call it a takeover when you you're following another hostile ma- takeover. <laughs> hostile, yeah. Well, we follow some big management companies. I mean, we're now I think we're ranked in the top twenty-five. Wow. Um, and we've those in the top ten, I think we've come behind every one of them and found that we are more competitive in a lot of ways. Yeah, so
1: there, you know, one of the words that I've heard as we've interacted with you guys at general manager meetings, accounting and HR meetings, that you've been nice enough to invite us to to speak on you know, dealing with the injured worker because that's one of the things that as a centerpiece of our relationship from the risk management side that we've really honed in on is look there there are costs of claims but we find that there's very little correlation between injury severity and and what ends up being the incurred cost and so what that what we found is it has a lot to do with how you engage and interact with employees on the front end and, and that's where the battle if you want to call it is really won or lost the the old saying people don't quit jobs people quit people kind of thing and and so that's been received incredibly well from, from your folks. Um, and, and it illuminates, from my perspective, something that's really dear to us, which is, you know, Chad Duke is another guy that does that, the that's in the role that, that Will and, and Ned are in. Um, and something he'll tell the prospects is look, you know, for a long time we said we were a client first. And in recent years we've reoriented that and said, look, we're not ashamed to say we're colleague first because if we treat each other well, we're going to serve the pants off of all our clients and they're going to love us for it and so it, it, it's kind of a subtlety and a small seemingly small shift but I think it's it's pretty darn compelling um, and I think you guys it's one of the reasons that that we've enjoyed working with you guys so much is because that seems to be really present prior to us landing with you guys and, and connecting it was illuminated
3: well I will say though when um, the trust piece I wanted to address because I feel like When you brought this to the table, there was a transparency there that Scott brings that was obvious. And that's important to us as a company is we don't want a lot of smoke and mirrors. We want to see what's the real deal. And there was no um, outlandish promise made. But I felt like all of us sat down and said they're just a trustworthy company, what you brought to the table. So that was it. And then when you we had to shift our focus on... In injured workers and it was due to your urging and what you brought to the table not that we didn't have a caring and compassionate environment but we were the old school when we had an injured worker it was like hands off you know we just were afraid because everybody had heard you know they're going to get an attorney or whatever right. so right. so there was much more of a hands-off approach until we got your guidance, and it made a huge difference because it totally mirrored already what we we wanted to have, but were afraid to deliver. And now we've seen a huge impact when the direction to our managers, the direction to the team is get your arms around them. We want them to know that we want them back to work as soon as possible, and we have seen a huge impact that everybody feels better about it. You know, I think the employee doesn't go home and call you know one eight hundred. Uh, the out hurt, of work, the you know, <laughs> and and they um they know that they want to be back, that we want them to come back to work, and it has made a huge positive impact.
2: See, folks out there in listener land, it's okay to be apprehensive at first, but just a little trust, a little leap of faith, and you might get some results that maybe uh, go beyond your expectations, and uh, that's. That's what we love about this relationship um, and and others that we have is that uh, some people uh, will will sit in a meeting like that and go, man, that sounds great. We need to do that. And then nothing ever happens um, and nothing changes. And you guys go, no, this is perfect. This fits into the culture that we're trying to build from one property to the next. It gives consistency to that. And, oh, by the way, why don't you all fly down to Atlanta and come to our manager's meeting and, and get in front of all of them and, and tell them what you told us. And so that's the intentional uh, behind it, you know, the intentionality that you guys have put behind a lot of that. And uh, and that's just really, really special. Sort of like the view right here. Um, Alex and I were talking earlier that this might be the best podcast view we had. <laughs>
1: I don't know we we've, we've recorded a few in your vehicle and that was definitely not the best view as of a parking lot so this <laughs> is a great view um, Well guys we're right on uh, I think we're right on target to, to wrap it up um, Steve and Brenda thanks so much for everything you guys shared today Thank
0: you for having us Yeah, well thank we, you. we
2: can't ever end these without a little bit of you know lightness so what we want to hear is we want to hear a good hotel story.
1: But close, uh, play that close. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Hotel stories are tough, you know, for uh, an open air microphone. You got to realize where you have beds, booze, and cash. (laughs) A lot of things happen. (laughs) So I don't know if I want to get into the really, really some of that. But uh, well,
2: just give us a funny one. No bed. Oh my gosh!
3: No, they're all. All the funny ones are pretty bad. Go ahead, go ahead. Human
0: resources—they all involve people. So, so this is a bad one. It
3: wasn't (laughs) a workers' comp though, but it could have been. So, Steve, and this involves you. We talk about this story all the time. So, Steve was the F and B guy in at one of our properties, which will remain nameless. And I was—I was was accounting HR at the time. And Steve said, "You're never going to believe what I found in the walk-in cooler," and it was a zucchini that been hollowed out and it was being used as a to smoke marijuana <laughs>
0: <laughs> fruit pipes fruit pipes
3: fruit pipe <laughs> this,
0: this chef had his good days and his bad <laughs> days and usually his good days was when he was smoking the fruit <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i guess if that's uh, if that's if that's
2: you know there's a lot of good stories to tell in the industry Uh, We'll leave those for you guys to uh, (laughs) tell off the air and amongst yourselves, but uh, that's part of the fun.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you, guys. Good to see you. Thank
3: um, you, guys. This was
1: fun. Including us. Agreed. We will catch up with you soon. Everybody out there, thanks for listening, in, and take care.